Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic, welcome to the Dura Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. For those of you that are joining us once again, welcome. <laughs> Both of you are very much appreciated. Your investments will go well invested, but a special thank you from me to you for paving the foundation for what will be the next level of generational wealth through health for what is life if you cannot create a better quality of it for those that succeed us. And by being here, by taking the time out to understand the chemical, hormonal, neural, and physiological mechanisms that have existed for thousands of years, you are doing just that. Because now more than ever in this point in history, we have the ability to understand these mechanisms more than we ever have before. Maybe it is the fact that technology has evolved to the point where we understand it more. Maybe it has been our flexibility and mentality in challenging the things that we thought we knew. Or maybe it is just a willingness to explore it. Whatever it may be, we have a fantastic opportunity ahead of us. And we also have uh, a burden as well, because despite what we think we know, there is so much that is unexplained uh, that is the human machine. But we are doing we, we are on this journey together, <laughs> working through it and trying to figure out exactly what that looks like in order to just umbrella standpoint of improved quality of life. Right. We do that for us. It has been done for us before. Uh, it's why we're able to do what we're doing, and we're going to do it for the next generations that follow us. So as we get started, as always, on this day in history, May 16th, 1980, basketball great Magic Johnson plays center as a rookie. And I know, I know, I look, look, look. <laughs> typically I don't focus on history as far as one person because I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like one person truly makes history especially someone that is still alive and i don't mean that as disrespect i mean that as like it has to give some time for their legacy to evolve uh in order to really understand how they impacted history but i chose to speak on this specifically because of as as Per usual, we talk about uh, feats of athletic performance, right? We all understand, if you don't, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, understand that the Durhuman Paradox was designed for athletes to make that transition to elite athlete. It was the understanding of the principles that they need to implement in order to take their performance to the next level. And as we go through them, a lot of them can be adopted and applied to uh, sedentary and enthusiast individuals in order to improve their quality of life. Because the human machine is a human machine is a human machine. The only difference between them is a level of training. So we frequently discuss athletes and, you know, their feats of performance within their sport and we frequently talk about basketball because basketball is the uh, is one of the sports that demonstrate a combination of all of the qualities that you know it takes to be considered elite because can you imagine right everything you do under a microscope and i mean everything from what you say from what you wear to 
to your mannerisms to uh where you go you know players get fined uh tens of thousands of dollars just for throwing up the peace sign or throwing up the middle finger and people do it <laughs> willingly you know in traffic and imagine like like 10 percent of your paycheck getting taken away every time you flick somebody off you know a lot of you'll be broke <laughs> so i mean even like what you wear you know you can't you you have to be careful with what you wear because you're under uh, a scope uh, and if you wear something that may be offensive to a certain group or to a certain uh sect it, it could damage your image and um because you are a, a, a professional i mean the image is is a, is a pretty big deal when it comes to you know being in in that space even um especially the words right whenever you get interviewed you have to be careful what you say most of the time nowadays players are mic'd up so even what they say on the court they have to be careful what kind of derogatory language they use um it, despite their background right because it is difficult sometimes for them to control their language trust me i've worked them before it's <laughs> it's it's both comical and disturbing at the same time um and then on top of that, right, we didn't even speak on performance. Imagine having uh, <clears throat> a stadium of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 screaming fans, whether that be on your side or against you. Um, and you have to basically shut all that out and perform, not just perform, but perform at the top of your game because there are other players on that court that could be playing for twice as long as you. Or there could be rookies on your team that... Uh, have never been in this space before so they're looking to you of like dude i don't know what i'm doing that's my first time here like i've been in the, the game of basketball for a while now you know but this is different right this is this is professional stuff i need i need you to help me out and you know you're looked upon as a leader as 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 a an overall professional so you know, it, it really does take a different caliber of individual and then to, to block out the hate because the Lord knows those players get a whole lot of hate from people who think they know what they're talking about. Um, the sort of arm, armchair quarterbacks who have probably never gotten on a treadmill and then decide to talk about someone else's performance, you know, so it, it's, it's something that they probably had that they experience um, quite a lot. And it takes a different a different human to, to be able to perform in that space. So frequently you'll notice that I talk about basketball. I'm not even a basketball fan myself. I'm just a fan of their ability to, you know, set everything aside and perform. But the same thing can be, can be said for, for the NFL or, uh, even, even PGA, right. MLB, it, it, it these athletes, man, they're, they're, what they do is impressive. So I decided to talk about magic Johnson and, um, this day in history, because, this, despite what y'all, despite what y'all gonna say, right? There was a point in history where basketball was gonna die, right? There, the people were not really getting into basketball. I don't know if it was boring or or it just wasn't picking up steam, or people didn't really, uh, really emulate with the sport, you know. So I, I would say, shoot, late seventies, early eighties. Um, before players started getting sponsorships and before the whole apparel and deals started coming into things and before people like Michael Jordan really blew up and they understood like what the jump man and all that meant and like they started associating like people's emotions with the with the actual players right with like their brand meaning something um, basketball was going to die the sport was losing <laughs> it, it was losing the slow and the fast game um, and People like uh, Magic Johnson and his performance and his personality um, really, really set 
the pace for what basketball would be 40 years later. Uh, so it, it it's, it's something special for a rookie to get out on a new playing field and not only perform, but to change the course of a game's history. And though I may not have all the information, right, the, the nitty gritty, the down, the down and dirty details about how this actually happened and what actually went into it, right? I'm okay with not having that because the proof is in the pudding. I can look at statistics. I can look at uh, player investments. I can look at the history of what happened from the late 70s to the early 80s into the early 90s and how basketball truly picked up and how the culture evolved. I can look at ticket sales. You know, I, I can look at viewership and it's all there. And it's very clear that it was very, it was dying before that. And then during that era, during that decade, it picked up some serious steam, right? So regardless of what you want to attribute that to, it's important to give these players their the 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 recognition that they deserve because you don't go to a basketball game to watch the coach, right? You don't go to a basketball game to, to watch the refs. Like <laughs> you don't care who the refs are, you don't care who the coaches are. As long as the players are on the field doing the thing, if they're doing great, then you're gonna be like, oh, like I love LeBron, like I love Magic, you know, I love AI. But if they're doing terrible, you're gonna be like, God, who coached this idiot? You know, it's not until like, oh, man, that's not a foul, that's not a tech. It's not until somebody messes up is when you start blaming other people. But the truth of the matter is, you go to see the, you go to see the players, you go to, to see the competition. You know, those, those who you love to be a fan of the sport. And it's very clear that during this time, people like Magic Johnson really set the pace for the game of basketball. So, shout out to all of you that love basketball, man. Go. Try to find Magic Johnson, shake his hand. <laughs> All right. Um, so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into it. And because I, I want to allude to uh, what we're going to talk about and everything that we just discussed. Right. Uh, it, even though that's not really our topic and we spent a significant amount of time kind of going through it. Understand that everything that we discussed just now is applicable regardless of what your role is. And um, I know I say it frequently, but I'll say it again. Um Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Uh, I wouldn't dare say it three times, but uh, it, it if you are a mother, a father, a parent, okay, a brother, a sister, a role model, if you are a camp counselor, uh, the president, if you are a businessman or woman, if you are law enforcement, if you are a judge, if you are military personnel, if you are your team's athlete or your team's water boy, your team's head coach, whatever it may be, you fulfill a role in some capacity. And by understanding how these elite, how these processes work in the elite, the top of the top, the cream of the crop, if you are able to understand that and, and implement that in, into your life, you're not only making yourself better, you are making everyone who looks up to you or everyone who follows you as an example or everyone that you have even a sliver of influence to that much better because you can't take what we do in this life with you. You can't take your talent with you. And But in the words of, the, uh, of, of one of the greatest actors of all time, Denzel Washington, you can leave you, you can leave it though. 
<laughs> so if you if you can't take it with you, that you can do what you can to leave it here. And uh, clearly, when we talk about people like Magic Johnson and what they did 40 years ago, it's very evident of how of the term leaving it here and what that means. And you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, the, the whole Lakers legacy; those those guys are still alive, right? But it's still clear how much that they did for the game of basketball and how much passion he had towards it. And that same passion that same love can be translated to whatever your craft is whether that be people uh community or craft specific right but it's 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 all about the acknowledgement of of wanting to do it and um though it may not be in front of you that doesn't mean it is not possible which brings us to our topic of continuing the discussion about why seeing is not always believing so a few episodes ago, we discussed this topic of why seeing is not always believing, right? And it's this idea of challenging the phrase that seeing is believing. And I don't know who came up with that, okay? But I would be careful to stay away from that person because most of the things that we enjoy, that we revel in today, have been created without seeing them first. And... We discussed that seeing is believing is a false binary. It it assumes that what we see is what we will believe and what we believe has to be seen. So on the second phrase of that, right, there are people in impoverished situations and in less fortunate situations and under-resourced and underrepresented situations that have goals that have dreams that have aspirations right you may know them or you may never have met one or you may have been that person or you are that person that's at, or have been that person at some point to say that seeing is believing creates a, an intangible barrier to human performance and i'm careful with my words because i don't want to get too far into what we were going to talk about um, next episode with, with, with the intangible barrier and, um, you know, the fourth and fifth layer of the glass boxes, but people in those situations may not have what the resources or the environment that they need in order to get to where they want to go. So it's up to them to use their imagination, right? Not being able to see it physically, but being able to see it through perception. And again, I'm trying not to say what I what I what I'm going to say in the next episode, but it's this idea of not getting caught up in the, in the fact of though you may not have the resources or though, though not though you may not have what you need right here in front of you does not mean that you can't have it because um I have met quite a few people that grew up in poverty in environments where they were told that they would never amount to anything you would never make it out of the hood you will never be anything but poor you're a worthless woman you will never you'll never be in a leadership position nobody will ever respect you and you know every 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 nasty thing you could think of in the book and when you are told those things long enough you begin to believe them and whether or not someone wants to agree, understand that the path of human cognition, 
the human psyche, the human machine is trainable and you can train it to think and believe what you want it to. So if you constantly feed a certain stimulus to it, eventually it will begin to interpret and understand that stimulus as if it is the norm. So this is the reason why, <clears throat> of course, subjectively, why some individuals believe that they are not capable of of certain feats of performance, certain feats of achievement or certain feats of success. Right. And it's most notably in the impoverished under underrepresented and under resourced communities because of that reason. But this whole idea of perception and why seeing is not always believing much like the many things that happen within human performance allows us to challenge that notion. Is it easy? Absolutely not. No one is going to sit here and say that it is easy because no one is in that specific situation of that specific person with that specific soul to say, oh, this is easy. You know, you're just being ridiculous. But that is not to say that it is not possible. And we talk about this so frequently that I know it's probably becoming annoying, <laughs> but it is my hopes that one day someone who may have who may be questioning their ability to achieve something will hear this and it will give them just enough push to question whether or not to stop questioning whether or not they are capable of it and to go and and do that. Because at a minimum, that gets you one step closer to where it is that you, that, that you want to be, but not until you challenge it. Because even if you challenge something and it doesn't work, it could open up a door to something else. Another question, another research question, another path to success that may be much greater than what you thought it was before. And I, I know I'm, I'm mixing the two a little bit and it's getting a little bit muddy, but understand this happens in research all the time. As someone who's been in an R1 research institute, I'm, I'm talking about like uh, test tubes, beakers in a lab, microscope type stuff, you know, white lab coat glove that uh, sometimes when you ask a research question and you gather, you, you, do, you, do your, you do your due diligence and you gather your research, you may end up answering a bigger question than what you first started with. Something that seemed so simple at the beginning now opened up four or five different avenues to make someone else's quality of life better. And not just for your research, but for billions of people. <laughs> that A lot of medications, a lot of, uh, a lot of cures, a lot of vaccines, uh, uh, a lot of viral ramifications have been solved, if you will, uh, in the same exact way through someone wanting to make a change, through someone seeing a problem and attempting a solution through all odds being against them and them challenging the idea. You know what? This is killing too many people. You know, people are looking at this the wrong way. Like we have to do something about this. There's got to be some way. And someone along the way is like, you know what? No, that's not possible. Just leave it. It's too much work. Don't do it. And then that person is so stubborn <laughs> that they're like, dude, no, <laughs> we got, we have to do this. It's going to save lives. Like it, like 
people shouldn't suffer from polio. People shouldn't suffer from Parkinson's. People shouldn't suffer from Alzheimer's. People shouldn't suffer from diabetes. Like we can, some people are born with these things and we can help them or they just develop over time. And somebody's like, nah, man, I, I'm out, bro. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm wiping my hands. I'm done. But that, but those stubborn individuals stay grounded and against all odds still challenge the idea of what's possible, not because they see it, but because they can feel it. It's it's like the ability for the mind to put an image that isn't there with a certain emotion to then generate an action. And I just I did it anyway. I just I just gave a, a little bit away of what I was going to talk about next and I tried not to, but ah, man, that's okay. That's okay. Um so yeah. Any, anywho, <laughs> this idea of believing without seeing is probably, say, amongst the top three of my favorite topics when it comes to human physiology, because truly, it's what's made modern evolution possible. Some some stubborn bastard is <laughs> just like, you know what? We just got to challenge it. You know, this, this, it, this can't be the end of it. And either whether it's ego or whether it's self-efficacy, it's self-belief, whatever it may, a belief in a higher power, whatever it may be, the information or the evidence wasn't there until they believed in it enough to then create it. And then more individuals come along and add on to that and add more and add more and add more. And it almost builds like this pyramid, right? This pyramid of performance um, that enables us to live the way we do today. And if they can do it, then why can't you? And until next time, stay durable, my friends.